only eight games remaining. I I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I need more. I need more. Charlie Moore, that is. <laughs> I wonder if you had that one in your pocket. Oh my gosh. Welcome back to the ACC Basketball Degenerates Podcast. We survived the first weekend. We're in one piece, or are we hanging by a thread? That's the question you, the listener, is going to have to figure out. Our Atlanticus Conference breezed through with flying colors. We almost got four teams into the second weekend. Meanwhile, some of the other conferences, Mountain West, were they out in the first day? That's a great question. I'm Luke Near with you. I'm your host, Vegas Mike is here. Taylor is here. All hands on deck for the final 16 teams. Are we going to do a final four? We need to do a final four because we always fizz out after this week, every single year. Now, we fizzed out for about a month and a half during the regular season, but it's okay. We can make up for everything if we just stay strong through the final four and to the national championship. That's where I stand. What's up? Yeah, what's up? What's up, Luke? Man, you're right. We're back with the Fury. Um, We have never closed out a season. If you go back to all the previous seasons, we have yet to see a Final Four. These are the games that matter, man. The Sweet 16, Elite Eight. Um, Man, I'm I'm hyped for it. Taylor, how you feeling, man? You making it? Hey, you know, just because we did not make it all the way through the back end, that's okay. Happens to lots of guys. I promise, you know, it doesn't happen to me much, but, you know, we're, we're a little premature on this, on the whole uh, season, but still good. I still have my national champion intact. I just want to say that as we start our, but I, should we begin with grievances or regrets or how about what broke your heart in the first weekend? Should we start on a dull uh, note or should we start on a Charlie Moore story of redemption type of uh, trajectory here for this podcast? Yeah, I think we start with the optimism of the tournament. You know, I don't I don't like to start negative. You know, Harvey Pennick always said the famous golf instructor, don't don't give me the negative. Just feed me positives. All right. So let's let's just go with the positives. Let's go around the horn. Let's go round robin of positives. All right. I will begin. The Texas Tech Red Raiders are still alive in the dance. 35 to 1 still exists for Luke Near. <laughs> and we're rolling on to a potential hedge. Yeah, they're not mm-hmm. going to win the entire thing. I don't think that's going to happen. I just want to get to a hedging moment. That's all I care about. And this ties into my grievance. I'm just going through glass half full, and now I'm immediately pivoting to glass half empty. That stupid Memphis Gonzaga game. Gonzaga should not be in the tournament right now. Penny mm. and the boys got. Robbed. They got jobbed, robbed, and nobody's talking about it except me. I'm a voice in the wilderness. Gonzaga doesn't have a foul called on them until the seven-minute mark, for goodness sakes. Memphis has a 12-point league lead. Duran goes out, I don't know, at the 14-minute mark. Oh, Drew Tibby, here he comes. He's going wild. Yeah, it's easy when there's no rim protector on the other team. I, I was furious. If Gonzaga's out oh. of this tournament, my ticket looks so much better. It's so much easier to hedge, so I'm on to Musselman. Oh, well, I'm glad it seems like that was a grievance you really wanted to get off your chest, regardless if we were going to start positively or not. Um, What ties into my positive? My positive is Texas Tech still lives, even though they might have probably could have lost to the other Dame, your favorites. So it ties in. Everything's intertwined. There's a good reference for this. What is it? Is it uh, Smith and Neo? Come on, Taylor, help me out. (laughs) Everything that has a beginning has an end. That's right. That's a quote. From the, there you go. <laughs> I mean, my my positive takeaway is that the ACC has really shown out in the tournament. Obviously, right? We we very easily could have had four out of four teams make the second weekend. Um, you know, North Carolina cruised through. Miami cruised through. Duke hasn't played anybody yet, so you know we'll see what happens in the second weekend. Um, and then Notre Dame, you know, I. They beat a broken Alabama team. They beat a good Rutgers team. They got two wins, you know, so I'll take it. You know, what are we, eight and one right now in the tournament? I mean, great run for the ACC to start Now we're two. You forgot about Virginia Tech. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Virginia Tech. I didn't even count them. I didn't even count them. And right now I think uh, Wake Forest is getting demolished by Texas A&M, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, that's unfortunate. <laughs> the, the NIT was the original tournament. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, what about you, Taylor? What was your what was some of your positive moments from the first weekend of the tournament? I mean, definitely Miami. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Just reaffirming my belief in Jim Larinaga, the tracksuit, never always bet on Miami when they're the underdog. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. That's and, right. And um 
Uh, Richmond, also my hometown heroes, love mm-hmm. seeing them uh, yep. take down Iowa. Except for the Providence game. Um, yeah, I well, got we, won't, we won't mention that. I but. got lured in. <laughs> uh, Jacob, Jacob Gilliard should never buy a drink in Richmond ever again. I was watching the mic. <laughs> I was doing the little thing they do at, at those games where they, Nathan K.O. scores, and they say, everybody go, K.O. <laughs> text from my family that previously sent me texts every single day, like fire Mooney, get rid of Chris Mooney saying like, we've gone 180 Chris Mooney contract extended 10 years. So is your brother now supporting a billboard of affirmation instead of the fire Mooney billboard? I don't think so. I think if you asked him, Hmm. I think, I think he would, you know, have a polite no comment, but deep down he's like, get him out. Also, you could get somebody better. Isn't Golden the more recognizable face in a Richmond bar from here on out? I think Gilliard can yes. kind of go unnoticed. He could blend into a crowd if he needed to. Now, Golden, no, just the height and the man bun and the long, shaggy shirt under the jersey. I, I think that's just a look that will forever, you know, erase his bar tab. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You go to a Richmond brewery. There's a lot of dudes with long hair and big beards. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> well said, my friend. Yeah. But, and I, I don't really have like a negative. I guess I, I was sad to see Memphis go down. I felt they deserved it. I know. And, I, and you know, and my heart goes out to those guys. It it's not just about but, my um, ticket. It really isn't. It's about the players. It's about petty. It's about their story of redemption, which was taken from them. And it's a mm-hmm. disgrace. Right. Yeah, oh, I'm just I'm I'm going off. Well, there's a see the dog agrees with me. <laughs> yeah, I mean the 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 other sad one to me were the mocks. You know, Chattanooga I thought really deserved to beat Illinois in that first round matchup. Um, you know, I would have loved to see them carry on. Um, you know, I guess one of the negatives that I saw, you know, you you had these like big time uh, Final Four picks. You know, whether that was Kentucky or you know Taylor was talking about Iowa earlier, Tennessee. Richmond, Iowa, Tennessee. And even, you know, some people who maybe hadn't been paying attention probably also had Auburn. Um, so just some of these huge picks, these, the, with the exception of Auburn, these kind of great teams that I thought had played really well all year. Tough to see them go down, uh, you know, before we really get to the meat and potatoes of the NCAA tournament. Um, but each of them went down for their own very specific reason. Um, but anyways, I, I thought that was kind well, of, it kind of takes away a little bit. I've got a story behind <laughs> this. So I was in Atlantic City this past weekend for the opening first three and a half, two and a half days of the tournament. I find myself at the Borgata on Friday night and just a Mm. bunch of dudes loving college basketball. It's beautiful. Mike, you've waxed poetic about this on multiple occasions. Oh, yeah. And you make friends immediately. You ask people what their number is, who you got, what's your ticket, let's root together. First of all, the night before, I had been over there and the scene was this man who was in tears because I don't know if he was a St. Peter's grad or if he just had a massive ticket. I could not tell the difference, but this man was crying (laughs) on my shoulder and somebody else's shoulder, tears of joy. The next day I'm there, I'm talking college basketball with a group of phenomenal guys who showed up just for the weekend, and we were talking about Pitt Snoggle, we were talking about the West Virginia run, we were talking about, man, early 2000s basketball. They were predating me going back to mid-90s and before, when I was about five, even though I was still watching the Virginia teams with Harold Dean, etc. But it's just a bunch of guys loving college basketball. The only problem Mm. was, on my way out of town, I told them, take Tennessee and take Richmond tomorrow. Oh, no. Thank goodness I'm out of New Jersey. (laughs) Because <laughs> you leave them with a little a couple little stink bomb picks so and then you scoot though. down incredible college basketball fans mm-hmm. and i could not reward them with any knowledge unfortunately so saturday was Man. a bad start but you know it rebounded with st peter's and eventually memphis but that's my story of the weekend yeah yeah i mean the teams that are moving on in those scenarios though you know the michigan's in this scenario and you know the miami's i guess taking out auburn um, you know, I, I do still believe in those teams. I think those are going to be teams that have continued success and have real chances at a final four, uh, little run here. So, 
you know, maybe, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, some teams absorbing other teams' souls. Maybe maybe Tennessee's soul has been absorbed into a <laughs> Michigan Final Four run, and maybe you'll get there in part, you know. Here's hmm. the real story of this tournament so far, is that uh, the amount of wife time on camera is oh. way up, way through the roof. I'm sure people right. talk about this a lot. but Well, let's start with right. Mickey Krzyzewski. Can we start there? Mm-hmm. Sure. It's every game sure. now. This is not going to stop. This is a trend. Hopefully, it's only right. one more game. Hopefully, one more. That's all. But it could be more. Uh, and uh, Taylor and I were having an open debate about whether or not it was Chris Beard's, you know, older teenage daughter, or was it his wife that they were showing? Um, you know, there's like a brunette that they kept cutting to. It was clearly a daughter on one side, and then on the other side, it was like a mysterious twenty-something. And you know, we weren't <laughs> sure like how happy to be for Chris. You know, at one point, but um, but yeah, the the whole thing is confusing to me. The whole like family element. Um, it seems like they must get a seating chart of everybody's. Uh, family now and they're just focusing in on parents and significant others it's tough that's tough i, I don't know how i feel about that i'm generally a sucker for all that it just seems like it's gone way through the roof i did right. enjoy that both mike and i sitting in a bar watching this uh led the bar in a round of booze when he <laughs> walked in with mama shusevsky and everybody yeah. as they walked in behind scenes same thing at the sports book so yeah everybody in the sports book yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, you just see Coach K getting off the bus with his wife, hand in hand. I think they exchange a little kiss right before he asks the cameraman to leave. Um, oh, yeah, and just booing, leave. just booing throughout the bar. <laughs> I mean, even throughout the kiss. I mean, first of all, it's weird to see uh, K showing that level of emotion to a non-referee. Um, <laughs> or, you know, even the fact when uh, – I forget who was on the ground. Uh, was it Griffith? Uh, when he was hurt in the uh, in the second round matchup, and it looked like Kay was like baptizing him as he was laying on the floor, like he had like two fingers on his forehead, as though he were like trying. To, you know. no, he was it's doing just, the Vulcan grip to bring it back to life. He's like, you gotta get back in. We, yeah, we need you to stretch the floor. Get up, sweet child. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> nobody else can shoot. Walk. Get up and walk. <laughs> get up and walk. Yeah, exactly. Get oh, up. what a man. Get up now. Stop it. <laughs> oh, no. That was a big part of the first weekend. Um, a, a big Miami crowd where I was, which was very encouraging for what's next, which I'm sure we're going to go mm -hmm. to the Midwest eventually. But uh, what region should we begin with, Taylor? I'm sure you asked Taylor this, uh, but let's. Why don't we just start in the order of the games, right? I mean, does or maybe it doesn't make sense. Let's okay, just start the let's West. go to the Arkansas Gonzaga game, and this number is way too high, way too many points, and hmm. I really don't understand. Yet again, I'm the kid who's looking at the Emperor with no clothes, and I did it with Texas on day one of the season. And thankfully, I have full vindication now because that Texas team, I don't know if you guys saw, they're not involved anymore in the tournament. But who has Gonzaga really blown the doors off this year? They covered against St. Mary's, which was a double-digit spread in the WCC title game, but it was a little bit of a deceptive cover. That was a one-point game with five minutes to go. Mm -hmm. They beat the bad San Francisco team, and I think they covered on one of the occasions and they pushed on the other. Is that right? Am I crazy about this? Yes. And That's then they covered correct. against BYU, who's, guess what? A big old pile of doo-doo. <laughs> so other than, okay. let's see, Tennessee to begin the year, which is mm -hmm. November basketball. I don't know how much I can take from that. Right. What if, And UCLA, beginning of the year. What massive cover blowouts have they really recorded in 2022? And you and I... All three of us really just take into account February onward. Musselman knows about this. And guess what Musselman's been doing for the past 2022? Winning games and losing by about a possession. Right. What am I missing here? Right. Okay, matchups, matchup. We can go into all this. But it's not as if Arkansas hasn't played a team with size in the SEC. It's Everybody's right. saying they've never seen a team with size. What are they going to do? They're going to be... They're just going to cower around Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy. They're just going to duck and let them score unopposed. That's ridiculous. Come on. Right, right. I mean, especially 
especially when you consider that, um, you know, they were playing in the SEC against, you know, Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith, who are a much better version of Shebway and Holmgren. And they took Auburn to OT, you know? Um, so and I agree with you. I think that people are are gassing up uh, Gonzaga a little bit here in this matchup. I think Arkansas, Arkansas is a very tough team. They were an Elite Eight team last year. It's that same team back. I mean, there's just like no quit in that team. And I think they're able to actually refocus this week. I'd like them to give Gonzaga a run. I don't like them to win, um, but I, I don't think Gonzaga's going to – shoot them out of the gym or anything like that, even though Arkansas doesn't score the ball that well. I, I think I think they're tough enough and turn Gonzaga over enough, hopefully, to keep it close. Saying that Gonzaga, that Arkansas doesn't score the ball that well is an understatement. I mean, that New Mexico State game with Arkansas was painful to watch. <laughs> like two dudes just punching each other in the throat over and over again. Uh, I mean, they only ha- they can't really shoot. They have one guy who's a decent shooter. But I think they're type 10 points or whatever. Maybe it's at nine and a half now. It's, it's too many. I think Arkansas will keep it close enough. It's still going to lose, but I will take them with the point. Yeah, and let's not forget about Gonzaga's first half, not only against Memphis, but against Georgia State as well. Do we think about getting cute and going first half? I mean, they were up by a deuce against Georgia State at halftime. Right. I, I, right. I just yeah, don't I see mean, the I... evidence, and I see the evidence on the other side with Arkansas playing in a bunch of close games. I don't see Alabama and Arkansas as horribly different teams, you know, really in terms of pacing and – and how they can get you up and down the floor. I think it's going to be a great game for Arkansas. They're going to love to play Gonzaga. I think they're going to nothing welcome to lose. that matchup. And Musselman yeah, has already, to lose. he's been talking to the reporters saying, listen, I, I don't live under a rock. I know that we don't belong in the same gym as Gonzaga. He said those words, according to you guys. So we'll see. Wow. wow. I think they cover. I don't think they win. I love that number. Nine and a half. It could get to 10 by tomorrow. Man, yeah. why do you think? Why do you think it is? Why do you think so many people are all over? Uh, Arkansas's offense is really bad. Oh, okay. But has Arkansas's anybody looked at their their twenty twenty two? It's second to none. If we look at competition, right. maybe right. Kansas, but not even. I don't even know if Kansas had that type of a run after they got right. I've heard rumors, you know, the game's in San Francisco. I've heard rumors that uh, Moses Moody, um, you know, the uh, former Arkansas from last year, player who plays for Golden State, having him over. They've been kind of like coaching him up a little bit over at uh, Moody's house. And plus, I just, I love that little home cooking with Moses Moody, you know, kind of get the team relaxed and on board. I mean, I'm all about it, man. They're going to have Golden State Warriors in attendance there. I mean, Come on, man. I, I like the feel. The more we it. talk about this, the more it's making me think Gonzaga's going to win by like 25. <laughs> all right. What's next? What's next? Uh, oh, this trash game I, is next. All right. You go for it. What, what's the next one you want to talk about? Well, the next – we're going in order, aren't we? Villanova, Michigan's next. Oh, yeah, sure. Let's do Villanova, well, Michigan. Thankfully, uh, I can have this on the small screen in my house. It's not going to go on the main TV. This right, is a side are- TV for me. Two teams you absolutely hate and you can never yeah. win a bet on, right? Well, I, um. <laughs> I won some Villanova money in AC because there was a really good – I think I got two and a half or four and a half for the game mm. in their round one matchup. So that cashed, thankfully. All right, and it's about a, what, a four and a half point line, yeah, I think, for this I, game. I think this is simple. This is Villanova takes care of business. They beat high seeds like clockwork. Yeah. Hunter yeah. Dickinson is not going to shoot what he's not going to be five of seven from three like he was against Tennessee, or was he four of six? It was one of the two. He was up there. That's Something not going to happen again. Good. And I, I really don't know what happened in that Tennessee second half. I blacked out. I don't know if you two witnessed it. <laughs> I think I just blacked out and I thought everything was um, fine. We survived the initial onslaught. We had the five point. Look at me saying we. I just feel like I've enveloped right. myself into the volunteers fan base of their tears <laughs> and their pain and their and their passion. It's just a beautiful mess. And I think I've drawn to that. And and I you could say the same thing about women I'm drawn to, but Tennessee fits the bill. But the five point lead at halftime, I, I thought we're good. We we weathered the storm, let's roll. And then something happened, I blacked out. I don't know. You guys must have known. Yeah, I mean, it was a six point game with only like seven or eight minutes left, T- Tennessee winning. And then, you know, this still, this happens at Tennessee sometimes where they just missed a bunch of shots. They couldn't hit any outside shots, turned the ball over a little bit. Um, Eli Brooks hit a couple of threes, I think, at one point. He hit a couple of big ones. But, um, but the problem with Tennessee was always that 
you know, because they played it, they could play it slower at times and they could run into droughts. You know, they could, they could fall victim to anyone kind of like an old school UVA team or even a Texas tech I mean, team. Tennessee um, went two of 18 from three point range in that game. So that's not there good. You go. Michigan, there you go. That's a line. I don't know, but I'm with you, Luke. Villanova is going to take care of business. They're not as prone to swings as Michigan or Jawan Howard. Hey, O.R. So, you know. Prone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nice. Um, I'll say that, you know, Hunter Dickinson was obviously the MVP in that game um, against Tennessee at 27. I don't think he has a place on the floor in the Villanova game. You know, I think that five out Villanova, everybody's kind of a wing. Um, everybody's shooting the three. I just don't see Dickinson who, you know, to me doesn't move nearly as well as he had, you know, many years ago, Taylor and I were like wondering if somebody had told him to bulk up or something. He looks like about 25 pounds heavier than in years past. I know. Um, I just don't think he has a place on the floor in this game. And that's just, when you get wings on wings, Michigan versus Villanova, Villanova is a way better wing team than Michigan. So, um, yeah, I'd like Villanova to, uh, stick it to, Stick it to Michigan in this game, probably you know double digits. I could see it'll uh, make people think Villanova is going to win the national championship. I think it's going to be around eight. And Samuels has been fantastic. I've been on Samuels's point total over for back-to-back games. Yeah, and I might hop on it one more time against Michigan if it's going to linger around ten and a half points where it's been the last two. Give me that. I think he's been yeah. a big difference maker for them. And this is not a Gillespie team. It's not Colin Gillespie and the Village People. Or the usual <laughs> suspects. It's not. That, if you think that, you're not watching Villanova. So, anyway. Right, right. All right. So, we're all in Villanova. Um, That's scary. Two games where we're pretty much on the same side. Let's disagree yeah, wow. somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all right. So, here we go. Duke and Texas Tech. Our first ACC matchup of the uh, first night of Thursday night. Duke suspiciously holding at a one point underdog across the board. Every single other spread up for this weekend has moved uh, up, down, left, right. You know, I think Miami's seen the most movement, but this Texas tech Duke line has stayed exactly the same. Okay. And you gotta, you gotta think there's a ton of action on it. Very Thankfully confusing. I know you too well. And I'm going to ask Taylor about this first, but isn't Mike setting up for a, I'm on Duke type of a monologue and he's going to betray us and he's going to betray everything that I have to root for in this ticket in this next exchange. <laughs> Isn't this setting up for a perfect Mike swoop in 180 turn after texting Notre Dame's the toughest matchup for Texas Tech in, in until the final four. It's setting up perfectly, but I want to hear your thoughts first. This is, this is the line they built those palaces in the desert on, right? <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's clear that right this will be the best defense Duke's played all year. Texas Tech is the best defense in the country efficiency yep. wise. So, it's yep. a surprise. Uh I think Texas Tech can score enough that it's going to be you know it, it's it's not it's not going to be a problem despite Duke's very efficient defense. But Luke, you'll be disappointed to hear I'm kind of leaning towards Don't Mike, do even it. though thinking the plus one Duke. I kind I just I think Duke's gonna find a way to score even against that that defense. Texas Tech turns the ball over way too much. It's gonna be that kind of game where those turnovers matter a lot. Duke's gonna punish him for it. I I I'll just I'll take Duke here. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, Luke, your turn. No, you go next. I'm finishing, okay? I have the floor to, to wrap up this conversation. You I mean, it feels ahead. crazy to to pick against the fact that you could see this being like a game where Texas Tech just strangles Duke and like Duke is not ready for that defensive presence. Adonis Arms just locks down the point position. Uh, O'Banner is back for another run, all that kind of stuff. But I just, I don't know. I kind of have a feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let me uh, let me say a little something about this game. All right. This is Luke. I'm surprised, first of all, that you're not hedging because this is going to be your only chance to have a Texas Tech as a favorite for the rest of the tournament, more than likely. Um, well, but I think Taylor alluded to it earlier. This is how they built the Venetian. <laughs> yeah. 
knowing that all the money is going to be on Duke. I mean, the line isn't moving. They're just pulling you in. I mean, they're like, hey, you know what? You don't even need plus one. Come in here with the money line. You like money line at minus 105? Come here, get you some money line. You want plus 100? Get some money line. Get some money line. No problem. But you know what's going to happen? Texas Tech is the team that Duke wanted to be, and they just haven't been it all year. Texas Tech committed themselves on the defensive front. They didn't just abandon it halfway through. This is a design philosophy that works, okay? And they're going to they're gonna absolutely strangle, as you said earlier, Taylor. They're going to strangle this Duke team. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malik, Mark Williams isn't going to have a place on the floor either. That seems to be nope. a theme in these games. I mean, Texas Tech is a team of Wendell Moores. And you know what? A team of Wendell Moores beats Duke, you know? So, I mean, give me give me Texas Tech all day, baby. I mean, it's just it's going to be a great matchup for Texas Tech. I love that you're on that side. You scared me for a second, and I'm just going to pile on for right now. They're a team of men. It's a bunch of 22-year-olds <laughs> going up against a bunch of guys who are thinking about what they're going to wear for the lottery. Correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I think everybody's mm-hmm. over with the K tour, even the players. I think they're done with the after the ACC tournament. We're like, okay, we didn't get the redemption. We're not going to win the national championship, but you know, we'll, we'll just we'll get to the second weekend. But tactically, this is a nightmare matchup, I believe. Now, I could be proven wrong for Bancaro. How is he going to get those little yeah. elbow jumpers off when he has two right. red radars just outstretched like, um, the Bolton coat of arms right? in right. Game of Thrones. That's, a, that's a, a great point. Yeah. What is he going to do when he has two guys in his face? He's going to be very disjointed, I think. I don't know how they're going to feed the post in the no middle, you know, foe that they're going to be facing. And this is a team who plays the no middle better than anybody since Bob Knight, potentially. So Right. Um, right. I'm still on Texas Tech. I am a little bit worried if they are not able to put the ball in the basket, which is a slight concern. But I still think if they can't do that, they'll be in a knuckle buster like the Notre Dame game, and they'll figure out a way. But if they're shooting threes, for example, we could have a running riot like we saw in the SEC tournament. Who did they blow the doors off of in the SEC tournament? Iowa State. Okay, yes. Who somehow is still in this tournament. (laughs) (laughs) And against Montana State in round one. So I'm banking on if that happens, it's a done deal. It's an easy win. If it's not falling, at least we'll be in a knuckle buster, you know, just clawing like a cat to, I don't know, whatever kind of surface. So, yeah, that's why I'm I'm still on Texas Tech. And luckily, luckily for you, they really don't have to shoot it that well either, Texas Tech, because they're going to be able to out-rebound Duke like crazy in this game. You know, they don't even have to make them all. They can shoot that beautiful Texas Tech 32% from the field because they're going to get 25 (laughs) rebounds, 25 offensive rebounds, you know. Um, And, you know, it's just too much. It's just too much. I I, they're probably not going to be able to beat Gonzaga to make the final four, but you know what? They're going to be able to win this game against Duke. And that will provide money. A, money. a hedging circumstance at long last. That's all I'm looking for. If you can get your, yeah. this is what I tell people with long shots. If you can get them to the elite eight, you're in business. Okay. Right. You're in business. Especially yeah. on, I don't you know. have your, your minus minus one eighty hedge on, uh, all on Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Next game. Oh, let's see. What Arizona, is the Houston. Late night game? Arizona, Houston, Arizona, another team you think should or should not be in the second weekend. I mean, they played. Um, well, Tommy Lloyd favorite- almost prevented them from being in the second weekend by his right. coaching down the stretch. Now, everyone's right. coming at this from the wrong angle. And I want you two's perspective because I could be emotional since I did pick Arizona to win the entire thing, even though I, I have no stake in them. Mm-hmm. I don't know why Lloyd took Balo out when they built the nine-point lead. Because that wasn't a quick breather, and then TCU got all over the glass. Tabellus was nowhere to be seen at the second half. I kept yeah. talking to my friend who I was watching, with, and I said, where's Tabellus? What is going on here? We, we see Kirk Creasa and him all over the floor, you know, trying to find his ankle and getting burned left and right and throwing up bricks left and right and finally hit one. That quarter sequence, what he, did you guys see the quarter three sequence? He shot one quarter three, misses it. 
rebound back out to him. Shoots another quarter three. Misses that one. Comes back out to him. I, I don't know if he shot it a third time. I feel like he did, but I want less <laughs> Kirk Creasa, and they're going to be able to survive with the talent they have. Coloco's gone to another echelon. He's gone to another yeah. stratosphere. I think he's shooting 95%, and I'm not making that up. That's not an exaggeration. <laughs> Matherin put the team on the shoulders. He's got the shot-making ability. Just play more of Tabellus and play more Balo. You'll be fine against the Houston rebounding. Right, right. And, you know, not enough credit goes to Texas uh, TCU, you know, either. You know, this was a team, I think, that surged, that played a lot of really tough Big 12 teams, you know, impossibly difficult schedule, you know, towards the end of the year. They were they were hot, I thought, coming into this. The most no-brainer pick for me, which I had sent to both of you guys, was that plus 10 line against Arizona. And guess what? I was you in know, Jersey, I mean, and it didn't appear on the board, obviously, because right. Seton Hall – just oh, right. did it to me. And, you know, I didn't profit at all, which is just the story of this podcast, story of our journey. Right. But anyway, continue. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, Arizona is what it is. But, I mean, so I correct me if I'm wrong here. Did the Houston – this game opened at a four-point line. Is it down to one and a half? Is that what did the Did it open at four? Is that one and a half now? Yeah. I mean, this is a one and a half point line that you can get Arizona at against a Houston team that's, you know, obviously has a lot of things going for it. It's played really well recently, but Arizona is much better than Houston. Um, and I think, you know, for everything that Fabian White has done well um, here in the last couple of weeks and, you know, Houston just adopting, adopting like this bad boy, big brother image in that Memphis game um, that I think they've carried through to the tournament. Um, I still think Arizona's just better across the board, and I don't see how it's only a one and a half point line. So I'd be, I'll be, I'll be all over Arizona in this game. I will be on Houston. Every you've liked them. You've liked them all year. I'm, I'm riding with them. I've yeah, always AAC, loved them. man, they're covering machines. What they've covered every single game of the tournament, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, one and a half is tough. Like Mike says, it seems tempting to take Arizona. Arizona's, you know, got so much more size than they do more shooting, but I think people are counting out the way that, I mean, everything that Houston does. And I think that feeds into their mentality. I think people forget like how much they control the pace of the game and kind of can like control where you can pass to, to quote a, you know, a famous analyst. They just seem to form a wall sometimes. <laughs> and Thank you. So I appreciate that. I, I mean, I think they're going to, they're going to play really slow on offense. Like they always do. And, manufacture some points this is me talking myself up to it yeah i'm gonna be on houston yeah i think this uh, this I'm, line is a problem it's a metric problem you listen, know you got houston as the number two team in the country right now in ken palm no way they're that good no way i know but they did burn us last year so when do we start thinking hey this is not a fluke and even though they lost sasser and i thought that was going to be the end of them they've responded from that I'm not going to be as confident as Mike, but I'm also not going to be on Houston. I'm going to be a miserly little wager on Arizona. One thing I will say about Houston, just as we conclude, they're a bunch of mages. They're a bunch of warlocks mm. when it comes to rebounding. And yeah, I yeah. know I just pitched the entire thing about Balo and, and Tabellas get the bigger guys in there. They'll rebound. It's fine. No, Houston knows where this ball is going to bounce, and they don't necessarily <laughs> need height. They're standing back around, I don't know, about two feet off the arc, when I'm talking about the arc, the uh, the restrictive area, right? They're like two feet yeah. off that, just waiting for the ball, and it just magically bounces to them. So right. Kelvin Sampson might be a wizard, and he's got a bunch of mages and uh, warlocks with him. And I don't know yeah. what happens to the next level if they carry it over, but when they're in a Houston uniform, everybody knows where to be for that offensive rebound. It's just something else. Anyway, mm. those are my concluding mm. thoughts. I will be slightly on Arizona. Next. Yeah. I'll be avoiding this game. This is the one that I can never get right. Um, so, all right. So next um, next matchup goes into Friday. Starts with the barn burner of Purdue St. Peter's, who we all had in the Sweet 16. Um, very, <laughs> proud, very proud of us for all picking that. Really went out on a limb. Um, you know, the Jersey City boys out here uh, crushing the state of Kentucky. Now they move to the Midwest. Um you know, playing a Purdue team that I think none of us on this podcast really thought was very good coming into the tournament. Um, I'm thinking about going to this game on Friday. It's in oh, Philadelphia. I, I highly um, recommend this. 
you know, I, they're going to get a lot of home crowd support. I mean, people in Jersey are fired up about uh, St. Peter's. I mean, you know, fired up relative to, you know, what people in Jersey get excited about with college basketball, which is to say not much. Um, but oh, I don't you know, know. They're you should have been in Atlantic City last weekend. There were some pretty fired up people, man. Yeah, yeah there right. were. Just a bunch of guys. Maybe I'm just in the basketball. wrong crowd. Or maybe I'm just in the well, wrong okay, crowd. Okay, if you're going to go to this game, you have to have some type of action on it. So how about you? Lose oh, definitely. Off? Oh, definitely. I'll be on St. Peter's. I'll never bet on Purdue. Never in my life. I'll just never bet on Purdue. I don't know what it is. What I I remember, I guess they were playing Miami last year or just two years ago. And Purdue was up like 18. And then, you know, Miami came storming back in the Bahamas to win money line. And, you know, I had Miami money line. I, Matt Painter, he's, you know, there's nothing to love there. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> the size of uh, Purdue is obviously going to be an issue in this game. But look, I mean, I think J.J. Reddick said it best. St. Peter's runs great offense. They run great, clean offense. I'll take that like Notre Dame model. Um, I think that St. Peter's slows it down enough where I think it's a game similar to like the Rutgers game, really, where they lost by two. I mean, if it's going to be a double-digit line, give me St. Peter's. I think they'll be able to slow it down and score points for sure. The line right now is 12 and a half points. Yeah, okay. So I okay. will I will definitely take St. Peter's. They are much worse. All these caveats you hear about you know, these stories, they are much worse. Purdue should win. But I'm just going on it solely on the basis of that home crowd in Philly, hopefully. And Shaheen Holloway, the greatest quote maybe, like, you know, you think you're going to – push us around bully us that's what we do oh i mean you know that's like breaking bad writing levels of of quality yeah Um, Yeah, that's like that's like that bowler like um (laughs) what did he say when he hit the strike you know who do you think you are i am you know that's that's the new saint peter's i feel like uh go-to phrase i didn't even realize that saint peter's has the number two offensive uh team in the country according to kempo they're also offensive? something ridiculous at ATS. They're 19 and four, something like that, in their last yeah. 23. Yeah, yeah, I'm with so you guys. They, they I really to... turned a corner in the back half of the season. Nothing I'm going to pretend to know about that. I'm they're, sorry. They're, I was looking at. Yeah, their <laughs> metrics are still horrible. Their offensive <laughs> metrics are like <laughs> terrible. But JJ Reddick said they run good offense. So that's all I care about. Yeah, he did. He did. And I believe in JJ Reddick. So they, okay. uh, <laughs> they, the numbers tell a different story, but this is not a game you're betting on the numbers. This is a game you're betting on narrative and story and, you know, mm-hmm. basketball in the Northeast quarter, the Amtrak Excella or basketball. Romanticism. <laughs> That's right. This this bet is for Dagny Taggart. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Listen, people right. in our world need to be romantic about college basketball. And I'm going to get Absolutely. this way for St. Peter's. I'm on them as well. 12 and a half is just way too much. Just like the nine and a half for Gonzaga, Arkansas is way too much as well. And look at the Purdue resume. How many times have we watched a Purdue game with Ivy crossing over and throwing down a tomahawk and then Zach Eady looking as if he doesn't have to jump to score. And you say to yourself, well, they're just going to score every single time down the floor. And then mm-hmm. you go to get yourself a Bloody Mary if you're Taylor. <laughs> uh, Bud Light Lime if you're Mike. <laughs> and for me, something else. And then you return to the watching or the viewing area. And you realize it's a four-point game or a two-point mm-hmm. game or Purdue's even behind. And you say, what the heck happened? I thought they were going to score every single time down the floor. It just does not hold. Right. I've only put one massive bet on Purdue this year. It was the North Carolina game. They barely survived that. And then I think every other wager on them the rest of the year I lost. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm going with those 12 and a half points. I want to believe in Magic. I want to believe in Marge. So I don't love this, but... It's not one of my top two plays. My top two plays are coming, so stay tuned. Okay. All right. All right. I'm excited for this. Um, Well, let's go to the next game then, um, which is Kansas and Providence. And this is definitely my pick of the day or whatever, pick of the weekend, first half of the weekend. This is number Um, two for me. So we might be on the same page, unless you're going to I don't even know if – I don't even know if I know the line. What's the line? What is it, like six or seven? It's seven and a half. Seven and a half, whatever it is, it's not enough. I mean, Kansas is going to absolutely 
they're they're absolutely going to blow Providence out. Kansas is your ne- future national champion. We don't even need to re- record a, 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 the next podcast or anything like that because Kansas is your national champion. Hang it up now. Um, they're gonna they're gonna absolutely destroy Providence. Okay. Um, All right. So okay. I, <laughs> okay. I can tell okay. from Luke is he's going with Providence on this, and I'm fine with that. Um, but yeah, Kansas. Kansas with the big W here. Um, can, too can much you, can you elaborate a little bit? Yeah, sure, sure. Too much Abaji, um, the guy who sometimes will just decide to take a half off. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the guy. You've got him. Okay. You've got him pegged. All right. um, <laughs> that's the guy. That's the guy. Um, no, I mean, I think that the strength of Providence to me, you know, I know that they they run decent offense, but it's really in their defensive Big East mentality, um, their ability to slow the pace of the game down. And I just think that offensively what Kansas is going to be able to do in terms of pushing pace, in terms of shooting the three, which they don't do often, but they do well. Um, I just – I don't see anybody really stopping Abaji – or Braun. I mean, I can see Braun going off in this game too. I think he's too quick for a lot of the Providence guards. Um, and I don't see Providence being able to offset that with their size, which is, I think, what they rely on when they get in trouble. I think they end up, you know, feeding Nate Watson down low. And I think Kansas has a bunch of different little options to throw at Nate Watson, whether it's McCormick or whether that's um, – I mean, Lightfoot's still there, just doing doing man's work down there. He's going to come in and have four fouls, you know, just to put Nate Watson on the line, um, you know, where I, I'm sure he doesn't shoot that well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just think that the game plays into Kansas's strengths really well and mostly takes away from Providence. Okay. So there's my, uh, my take. I, I, I'm glad that I'm, I'm able to enter into the arena here. Okay. I, I can't believe after watching – a decade of Roy Williams versus Tony Bennett, you think that a team is just going to impose their will of running gun up and down the floor. Yeah, even watch the NBA playoffs, Mike. I, I don't know why you think that Kansas is going to wave the wand and this is going to be a fast-paced game because that's not going to be the case. Second of all, another moment for me, which I have not heard from anybody else in the college basketball community, the people we love, our inner circle. Did everybody forget that Creighton was down one with the ball with 45 seconds left? Did anybody mm-hmm. else see that besides from me? Taylor, right, you, did right. you did you see that Creighton was yeah, down I think we were, one I think... with the ball with 45 seconds left? Mm-hmm. And we're saying Kansas is going to truck over Providence, a team who's playing arguably the best basketball of <gasps> the first weekend. They slaughtered <gasps> Richmond, and they beat our Jack Bunnies handily. Providence hasn't played anybody yet. I mean, you know. No, we were all more, over. You were Mr. South Dakota State. Uh, I mean, I like them there as like kind of, okay, fine. I picked them to win. Fine. <laughs> okay. Fine. But, le- Providence hasn't played anyone yet. I think you're, I think you're abandoning. These are your biggest champions. Short, you're short the Big East, you know, idea, I think was good. Um, I, I just think I, you were what. I you were know. one weekend too early. I don't think Providence is going to win, but I, I don't. I think seven and a half is way too much. Look at the Kansas resume; it's not filled with blowout wins. You've got a TC mm-hmm. loss, TCU loss. You've got a Baylor loss. You've got a Kansas State blowout. Congratulations! You've got a couple WVU blowouts, but against solid competition, you've got a Texas loss in there. If we're looking at February, you've got the Kentucky loss, obviously, which was. At Allen Fieldhouse, if we're just tracking the last two months, mm-hmm. it's not blowout central against quality opponents. The closest thing you've got is the Big 12 championship game against Texas Tech, which was a nine-point win, which was a lot of garbage time free throws. Not to say that that can't happen against Providence, but that game felt much closer than a nine-point spread. Right, Taylor? Okay. And you can disagree. I mean, I was actually going to point to, I thought they played really well in the three games in the Big 12 tournament, like, TCU, Texas Tech, and whoever the first round was. I don't know. But I thought they, they played looked really good in that. And, uh, I mean, I, I'm not saying Kansas is bad because they're definitely really good. I'm going to be on Providence because I think seven and a half is too much. I think if you look at, like, Providence's defensive numbers, people that look at the metrics, and they look, like, good but not great. But if you take away the fact that Providence doesn't really turn you over at all, then their numbers, like, jump up a ton. And I think this like tournament games are the kind of games where things can get wonky with turnovers. 
you can like force some Kansas turned the ball over a lot in their first round game, even when they were blowing out Texas Southern. Um, and, and, you know, Providence will slow the ball, the game down a lot on offense. And they're like, you know, they are good at manufacturing, getting to the line, scoring points in tough situations. Mm-hmm. I, I think they cover I've, I've come, you know, and, the, and like you said, Luke, the most beautiful thing you've said on this podcast so far is like college basketball fans need, the magic or whatever you, I, I yes. can't remember exactly. Yeah. Orsler has been great in this tournament. They're making threes because they're taking high quality threes. If you watched any of that Richmond game, it was apparent. I was talking to our good friend Gus Kearns earlier today. And he said, listen, here's where I stand. Here's where my partner stands. Mike Randall on Providence. Enough with the luck argument, enough with your Ken Palm luck hate against Providence. At some point, you know, you're making your own luck. This is ridiculous to to hold that against them. But if you want to keep doing it, go ahead. Just keep losing mm-hmm. money on going against Providence. You know, keep mm-hmm. doing it because it's happened mm-hmm. the last two rounds, and I'm not going to fall into it again. Mike's so happy about his Kansas pick right now. I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled. I'm well. You know what? I'm glad that you guys provided a great argument for the listeners, and I think a lot of people will agree with you. Um, I mean. I'm glad you're providing that service to your clients. You know, this is number three on my list. This is not one of my top two plays. It's number three, Mike. So I, I'll, I'll give you that. I am more confident right. in two other games. You want to hear them? All right. Next game, UCLA, North Carolina, baby. This is my number two play of the entire weekend. This is a UCLA oh. win, a W I N. Wow. Assuming Hawkes can move, I just right. need him to be able to move. And hit that little Dirk fadeaway. Yeah, put him, put him on the post, put him on the lower take block. Take a look at, at UCLA's underrated defense. They're going to be able to control Temple on this one, much like Providence, because Carolina would like to get up and down the floor, not as much as in the Roy era. They're, they're running a, a Carolina alternative fast break. You know the traditional Carolina fast break, how it works, with the trailer. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. quite what they're running this year. I don't, I don't really know what they're doing. I, I need to talk to some people in Chapel Hill. But... They're going to be able to dictate pace and tempo to watch them smother the St. Mary's offense, which is not a slouch offense. They run good stuff. They run ball screens and they were, they were without an answer to what UCLA was doing. I don't really know what UCLA was doing besides from we're going to kind of stay in front and use length and the trains are going to go off the track. That's the best way I could put it. And the trains went off the track for St. Mary's, and they were late shot clock, didn't know what to do, no initiative, no decisiveness. And I think that's a real weapon. I think we're underrating the UCLA defense in the entire scheme of things. I I mentioned this last week. I said, are we forgetting about UCLA in this entire picture? And they Mm -hmm. did nothing but uh, finish the first weekend with flying colors. They didn't start it with flying colors in their round one matchup, but they finished it with flying colors. That was a blowout against the Gales team, who's been very good. They beat Gonzaga by double digits, and everybody thinks Gonzaga is God's gift to this tournament. So that's where I'll start. And the ability to make shots in the mid-range. If you love Miami, how can you not love UCLA? Mm. Mm. Taylor, what do you think about this game? I mean, yeah, I want to be – this is like a, a litmus test for me because I – for a while now I've been saying I think UCLA is underrated. I think they're really good, and I think North Carolina sucks. And kind of looking a little shaky on the North Carolina sucks prediction, but I still hold fast to it. I think UCLA beats them. Um, the Hakez like injury thing, I think right now he's day to day is a little worrisome. Um, but yeah, UCLA just has more shot makers, and they're not as reliant on like unstable factors like Carolina is. I mean, it, it's, it's they're not reliant on R.J. Davis, who could have five or thirty. You just don't know, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, I like, I like UCLA here for sure. Mm. Mm. Man, you know, one of the great regrets I have, uh, from the last podcast that we recorded was not reminding you guys that I had picked North Carolina in the final four in our preseason podcast. <laughs> and, you know, and well, then did you coming bet out against big... Marquette? Like I told you to, that was my play of the first round. You had TCU. I had Carolina as my play of the first round. 
Oh yeah, no, that was the easiest uh, money I cashed all first round was that North Carolina Marquette game. Um, so I was with you on that one. I and I ended up getting on the North Carolina Baylor game, even if it was a little bit late. Um, but this game to me, I mean, it, it's going to be an excellent basketball game. First of all, I mean, I think that a lot of people are excited about the matchups. Um, RJ Davis has been incredible in the first two rounds of the tournament. I think he had what 30 points in the first game and maybe 10 assists or so in the second game. Um, so he's showing a lot of versatility. Um, Leaky black, probably going to be covering Hawkes. Um, kind of an interesting matchup, you know, <laughs> you, mean kind of, you mean kind of a problem. That's what you mean. Yeah, kind of a problem. I mean, Hawkes a lot beefier. I think he's going to put leaky on the block, oh, but man. you know, Hawkes loves the, the pump fake um, leaky, you know, I'll tell you, like he, he went through a whole season where he had to learn how to not be in foul trouble. If you guys remember like leaky black, he said being horrible, horrible foul trouble all the time. I think a lot of Hawkeyes points come at the line. I don't think he gets to the line a lot. I, I think that, uh, I think leaky black does a good job of not fouling. If that's even really a, a true skill. And I think his length and height end up bothering Hawkeyes a little bit. Um, and, I guess one of the other things that I think about is just Caleb Love, right? Like that Caleb Love Tiger Campbell matchup and what that looks like. Because I think a lot of UCLA's success this year has not come from Juzang. Juzang is is lost. You can't find Juzang right yeah. now. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen him in like three weeks. He, he since his accident in the second half of the Marys game. He he reemerged. Yeah, I I don't know what happened in that Mary's game. Uh, Taylor and I went to go get food. It was there was a one point lead by St. Mary's. I came, I checked my phone right before we got on the subway. It was a fifteen point lead by UCLA. I was like, what what happened? I was uh, I was so upset. Um, but the Tiger Campbell uh, Caleb Love matchup is really interesting to me. You know, I I just think that who wins that matchup, and I. Sadly, I actually like Caleb Love as long as he's not shooting the ball from three. Please, for the love of North Carolina, do not make your first three, Caleb Love, because if you make the first one, you're going to take the next seven. All right, just take Tiger Campbell off the bounce, take him into the paint, get Miles Johnson in foul trouble so that you can kind of unleash Baycott, you know, for the rest of the game. But I, I like, I really like North Carolina in this game, and I think I think they eventually go to the Final Four and lose to Gonzaga. Hmm. Wow, I, I don't. I just don't think they're as balanced. I still don't trust their defense, and I, I think UCLA is the balanced team, and that's why I'm sticking with them. And I have that number at and what, let's see two right now. I've can got, I get yeah. a prop bet on Brady Manic being thrown out of the game? Something hopefully <laughs> because that'd be lovely. Uh, Manic, yeah, we didn't even mention Manic. Yeah, he's. A I know. I can't believe we didn't talk about him. They yeah, I mean. Yeah, he's played great. You know, um, he's been unless there's a Grateful Dead concert that's going to be happening the night before the game. I don't know. Has anybody checked Dead and Company's schedule? Because that could distract. I haven't. I haven't. Actually, they're not on tour right now. I would know this because I mean the UCLA North Carolina game is the real reason I'm going. I'm considering going. It's the best game of the entire weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a phenomenal college basketball team. I'm gonna. I'm going to see if uh, one of my favorite North Carolina fans will join me there. Uh, maybe he'll hear the pod and uh, buy his ticket. But I guess, all right, so the next game, the last game. Is my the, best bet on the board. And it, it worries Miami me. Miami versus Iowa it's State. It's so maybe. concerning when there's such consensus. And there's, well, there has been line movement. I, I got it at money line, And now it's mm-hmm. moved two and a half points. Is it at three yet? Yeah. It might it get was to three. It was at three. It was at three briefly, and then it dropped immediately down to two because I think everybody that put it in with a pick with you immediately then took switched middle. sides and took Iowa State at plus three. Uh, See, that's not good in. enough for me. If you really believe in it and you're the guy who's typing it in on Sunday night at 12 o'clock or 11.59, then you got to mm-hmm. ride it. I mean, I like the number at two and a half. Why, if it goes to three, would I just create a, a an irrational middle where I'm going to lose both and I'm going to lose juice? If I love it so much, why wouldn't I just stay with Moneyline, which is what I'm going to do? And the All reason right. I love this is for – I'm going to go in a different direction. I know what everybody else is saying out there about the turnovers, and, and I think that's all fine and dandy. But there's something that's gone a little bit unnoticed with Miami. 
They play bigger than they're listing. Wardenberg is a much better rim protector than you think he is. He's got Oh, ups. yeah. You saw that Jabari Smith block, right? Yeah. He's 6'10". This guy can protect the rim, and it looks like you're playing against a five-out team with Wardenberg as a stretch four. He's not a stretch four. He's something else. He's a right. sneaky, I'm going to swat you type of a guy. What did he have, four blocks last game against Auburn? And I don't know how many yeah. he had in the opener against USC, but Mobley struggled in that first half as well against him, and that's how they were able to build the lead. I like their guards. I think Iowa State is trash on offense. I don't know how they got here, but they've arrived. Great. Right. May- maybe they right. burn you, but do I really want to live with myself looking in the mirror saying, I did not bet on the Miami team who I thought had every distinct advantage Maybe, yeah, the Venetian is built in this game, but I- I'm willing to okay. live with that. I'm not willing to live with myself saying I had no action on this game because I was spooked and Miami wins by 10. Right, right. I mean, I think your bet is safe at a pick. I worry about mine at minus one and a oh, half. Oh, stop it. Does, it. Stop it. It does seem like it's going to be a one-point Miami win. Oh, get, get out, out of here. Um, <laughs> Miami is the better team, and I Wardenburg's part of it, but you know the other part is the – absolute emergence of Jordan Miller, um, you know, number 11 for Miami. He's like their, their do everything big when Wardenberg's playing out on the perimeter, rebounds the basketball incredibly well, um, does every all the little things that they need him to do. And then honestly, the beauty in Miami is just that, you know, you don't need one guy to be hot. I mean, like I've seen Isaiah Wong go cold, you know, against Duke, for instance, couldn't hit anything in the ACC tournament. Didn't matter because mm-hmm. Cam Gusty was shooting the lights out. Yeah, and you they know, only I mean, hit, what, one three against Auburn? Right. Or was it two? Right. One, two, three. Right. Yeah. Right. No I problem. Mean, and so, you know, it's just a team that's – it's just a three-headed monster. And I love, you know, my my name on this podcast right now, we have to give ourselves a little titles, is Charlie Moore's Redemption. You know, I mean, it's his return to Chicago after his uh, – multi-team odyssey all around um, college basketball. And he's finally returning home um, where he will be laid to rest by Kansas. Um, but still, <laughs> but still he's returning home and Miami makes the elite eight. They are this year's Oregon state in makeup and everything about it. It looks exactly like Oregon state last year. Um, and so, yeah, they, they move on. This is the part where I say I'm on Miami too, because that's exactly what <laughs> get on the jet ski and call up DJ Khaled because we're rolling down there with Jim Look, in the white yeah. tracksuit. You know how I feel about Miami. Let's do it. Taylor, yeah. you saw this coming long before we did, years ahead of time. Well, you know years. what they say about like stopped clock being right. Twice. <laughs> if, if you say for six years, Miami's going to be good this year. Eventually, they will be good. Mm-hmm. And really, not even really that good until the tournament. So whatever. Yeah, yeah. They uh, did, no, they were the most consistent team in the ACC, in my opinion. You do. Turns out that, the ACC was pretty good. Do you realize they were swept by Virginia? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just gonna put a little bit of doubt in your mind, just for fun. Yeah, swept <laughs> by a team that's all defense and no offense, just like Iowa State. Yes. Oh, oh no! Why do you guys do that to I, me? Come on. Because man. I like to mess with you, and, and I know that uh, tomorrow you'll be texting me uh, an Iowa State ticket. So I just, you know, wanted to promote <laughs> that process and speed it up a little bit. But that's me. Uh, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Ah oh, man. So who's? Uh, I mean, we're about to wrap it up. I I have very. You know, I have doubts that we'll ever record again on this uh, on this calendar <laughs> Don't year. Don't say that. You gonna get your uh, championship pick in now, or are you just gonna leave it to uh, the Twitter handle that we barely run? Um, okay. At the beginning of the year, I had Kansas Gonzaga, which obviously could happen, and I had Kansas mm-hmm. winning the national championship. You know what I've done? You're I, absolutely right. I've decided. Don't change. I've decided. Forget that. When the bracket came out, I said, "No way, Jose." I'm not going to be one of those guys. So I have Arizona defeating guns up red Raiders guns up red Raiders. Mm. Oh man. Actually, I I take that back. No, I take that back. I have got them beating UCLA. What am I talking about? That was a heart pick and not a head pick. I've got UCLA playing Arizona and it's an all back 12 affair. It's the part four Mm -hmm. Arizona. Okay. I'm sticking with uh, Luke's original. I think you were right all those months ago. Uh, I'm going to stay Kansas Gonzaga. And I also want to remind listeners that this is coming from the guy who uh, now two years in a row has picked his national championship 
in the uh, bracket poll. Last year it was Texas. This year I said Kentucky. Both teams lost in the first round. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were about to say you got it right, and I was like, well, not me. <laughs> All right, what do you got, Taylor? Uh, UCLA beats Houston in the championship. Wow. 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 I actually kind of respect you- that pick. I mean, it's a yeah, nice flash. You dance you know, with the one that brung you. You know, I mean, I talk a lot about the culture of Final Four teams. There are only two teams left in this tournament that went to the Final Four last year, and they're UCLA and Houston, baby. I mean, let's run it. What back. about Gonzaga? They were in the Final Four last year. Yeah, Gonzaga. Were they? Uh, whatever. <laughs> Gonzaga. West Coast Conference. Roll the tape. Roll the roll the music. Screw Gonzaga. <laughs> That's what I've been trying to say since the start of this podcast and you went all establishment on me you, you had the most unjappy like conclusion i've got kansas and gonzaga all right maybe you belong yeah. on a i don't know a tv desk somewhere maybe not on this podcast but oh well hopefully we'll they do this one more time we're gonna do it one more time it's gonna happen <laughs> we can't leave it like this there's too much to be determined anyway follow us on twitter subscribe tell a friend unsubscribe subscribe again if you do that i I don't know if that works but everybody else says to do it so i'll just say do it and we will see you next week it's gonna happen i don't care if i'm a man with a microphone and that's it i will monologue to you (laughs) but don't you worry the the boys will be here so we'll see you next week yeah